This is Faith Ignited, the podcast where we put God back into history. Episode 6, Unconquerable Faith. Wilbur sat on the edge of his bed, too afraid to look in the mirror. He could still taste blood as he gingerly ran his finger along his upper lip. His tongue traced what remained of his front teeth, and he felt sick. Oliver's hockey stick had done a number on his mouth. Wilbur had always excelled in both his schooling and sports, but at this moment, he wished he'd never heard of the game hockey before. Hands trembling, Wilbur slowly got to his feet. Feeling like he was wading through cement, his long legs carried him to the mirror. What he saw made him recoil in horror. He hardly recognized himself. No other part of his face had been affected, but his mouth pulled attention away from every other feature. A wave of depression settled over him as he stared forlornly at the mirror. He was only 18, and suddenly he worried that he might never smile again. Forcing his gaze away, he went back to his bed, laying down on his back. He could hear the activity of his family in the other room, but Wilbur just wanted some time by himself to internalize what this injury meant for him. His goal had been to attend college at Yale to receive religious training. He always had been good with writing and speaking. He took after his father in that regard, and he had planned to follow in his footsteps and become a clergyman. But looking at his reflection now, he never wanted to stand in front of any audience and be subject to their scrutiny. How was he supposed to make a difference in the world when suddenly he wanted to stay completely out of the public eye? He just wanted to be alone. A deep ache settled inside of him, a sort of grief for what might have been. That hit from the hockey stick hadn't just cost him his teeth, but his future. For most of the world's history, it was an accepted fact that man never could and never would fly. Anyone who said otherwise was seen as either delusional or a dreamer. Then in 1903, the world changed. Mouths dropped, people gasped, and the possibilities of mankind were reimagined. As people saw an operated plane lift off into the air. Who were the inventors of this marvelous machine? You likely know their names, Wilbur and Orville Wright. It was incredible, not just what was accomplished, but that such an unlikely duo had pulled it off. Neither Wilbur nor Orville Wright had graduated from high school, and most of their experiments with flight had been done completely out of the public eye. And they weren't the only ones who were experimenting with flight in the early 1900s. They had some serious competition, especially in Samuel Langley, who was secretary of the Smithsonian Institution. He was also a professor of astronomy, and many people thought that he was going to be the first person to fly, for some obvious reasons. One, Langley was highly educated. He also had nearly limitless resources and support. He spent nearly $70,000. Most of it was public money. Whereas the Wright brothers spent less than $1,000, all of which came from the money that they were making from their bicycle shop. I'm sure a lot of the people who witnessed these events probably thought, who are these men from Ohio? <laughs> Where do they come from? See, those are precisely the questions I want to answer in this episode. Wilbur and Orville came from a very humble and very God-fearing home. 
responding to a friend who was telling Orville how incredible it was that they'd accomplished something so amazing without any particular advantage, he contradicted them, saying, But it isn't true to say we had no special advantage. The greatest thing in our favor was growing up in a family where there was always much encouragement to intellectual curiosity. And Wilbur said, If I were giving a young man advice as to how he might succeed in life, I would say to him, Pick out a good father and mother and begin life in Ohio. The Wrights were an enlightened family, in every sense of the word. They taught their children to love learning, how to be curious, and how to use ingenuity. They also received spiritual education. Their father was a minister. Maybe you didn't know that. In fact, Wilbur and Orville are both named after clergymen that their father admired. And Wilbur himself was going to become a minister, but we'll come back to that. Milton and Susan Wright encouraged their children's curiosity in a way that few parents probably ever have. I actually came across a funny story about Orville that I think helps to demonstrate this. You see, when Orville was five and began kindergarten, he would walk to school and promptly return home at the same time in the afternoon every day. After about a month, his mother Susan paid a visit to Orville's teacher just to check up on his behavior and his progress in school, and she was surprised to learn that Orville had not attended since the first day of school. He had been skipping school for almost a month. When she questioned her son about it, she found out that he had been going down the street to a neighbor's house every day instead of going to school. However, Orville got off with a pretty light punishment when she learned that he'd been going there to work on repairing the family's old sewing machine. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know too many five-year-olds that can repair a sewing machine. Maybe there was even a little part of Susan that felt kind of proud. She herself was quite handy at mechanics. Susan's father owned a carriage shop, and so a lot of her childhood she spent working alongside her father and learning the inner workings of mechanics. She built things to make her housework easier. She made bobsleds for the kids. Whenever the boys had questions about projects that they were working on, they would go to Susan. And she kept a shelf in their house where she would put their projects that were still in progress so they could revisit them later. But the thing that initially drew Milton Wright to Susan was her commitment to Christianity. He had very definitive ideas of what a minister's wife needed to be. He knew he was going to be gone a lot. And so he was very particular in who he chose to start a family with. He needed someone who had the same high ideals. And when she died, he said that the light had gone out of his home. It's no surprise what the Wright brothers accomplished when you look at their amazing parents. Milton Wright, their father, was raised on a farm in Indiana, where he, quote, filled the fields with his speeches. So he would practice his speeches while he was working alone in his father's fields. And from the time that he was eight years old, he pursued and wondered about religion until he had a profound conversion experience at the age of 15. He was alone when he had, as he put it, an impression that spoke to the soul powerfully and abidingly. He would go on to become a bishop, preaching frequently and being gone sometimes months at a time. Something else that's interesting about Milton is that he was an avid genealogist. He kept a dedicated journal of his own, and he could trace his family back 11 generations, which was quite an accomplishment in his day. Because of this, I think it's only appropriate that I tell you just a little bit about the Wright family heritage. The Wrights come from Puritan stock, and they trace back to England. 
as Puritans, they suffered some heavy persecution. Persecution that ultimately led them to a place of religious freedom here in America. John and his son Samuel Wright were the first to come over to America, and they came with 20,000 others who were sailing during the Great Migration. And those 20,000 people had the same goal to, as they put it, establish a nation of saints. Many of their posterity must have also had this goal because it is not difficult to find preachers in the right family tree, because there's a lot of them. But preaching the gospel isn't the only way to change the world. This was something Wilbur would come to realize when he was 18. A hit from a hockey stick during a game knocked out most of his front teeth. Something that turned a very outgoing, athletic, and intelligent boy into a bit of a recluse for several years. During that time, he also took care of his dying mother and did a lot of studying and research. It may sound kind of crazy to put it this way, but it might just be that we can thank a blow to the teeth for the invention of aircraft. How often do you think of that when you get on an airplane? Or more importantly, how often do you think of that when your life takes an unexpected turn? Wilbur didn't know it at the time, but we know it now. And God works in these mysterious ways to bring about great things. Wilbur never would be a minister, but he did fulfill his dream of making a difference in the world. Because what happened in 1903 at Kill Devil Hills changed the world. Orville climbed onto the center of the wingspan, tugging at his gloves and placing his feet squarely in front of him. His heart raced with both excitement and nervousness. There was a stronger breeze than he and Wilbur had hoped for, but they had decided to make a go of it anyway. Kill Devil Hills did seem like a rather foreboding name for the place to make their first flight attempt. He hoped it wouldn't prove prophetic. It was close to Kitty Hawk where they'd done most of their hundreds of tests with the glider. Orville let out a tense breath. This had to work. He glanced over at the engine he and Wilbur had designed themselves since no other was light enough. They'd solved the problem of sustained lift. Even if the engine wasn't incredibly powerful, they were convinced that relatively little power was actually needed with the right lifting surfaces and propellers. Propellers they'd also designed themselves. Orville glanced over at his brother, giving him a nod that he was ready. Wilbur was originally the one that they had determined to try their first flight after winning a coin toss, but he'd oversteered with the elevator once the machine had left the launching rail, and it ended up diving into the sand. After some repairs, they were ready to try again, with Orville at the wheel this time. He'd have to learn from Wilbur's experience. As he got himself in position, he glanced around at his different controls. There weren't many, but he knew controlling it would still require great skill and all of his attention. With a deep intake of breath, Orville released the restraining wire. The flyer began moving down the rail as Wilbur ran alongside, steadying the wings. It picked up and he felt his stomach drop as a thrill raced through him. It gained some altitude and he did his best to steady the flyer as it jostled up and down. With wind whipping at his face, Orville wanted to exclaim, It's working! The flight was short, only 12 seconds, but those 12 seconds would change the world forever. There are many factors attributed to the Wright brothers' success, but there are a few that are not openly acknowledged in the world that I personally believe had a lot to do with why they succeeded or others failed. The first 
is the fact that the Wright brothers never flew on Sunday. They had made a promise to their father that they would keep the Sabbath day holy. And so even during critical parts of their testing and when the weather on Sunday was very favorable, they never did fly on Sunday. They honored that promise to their father. The Wright brothers also didn't drink, smoke, or gamble. And I don't think enough credit could possibly be given to their parents, who taught them all of the important things in life, hard work, perseverance, and faith. In 1927, a monument was erected in North Carolina to commemorate the Wright brothers' accomplishment. The inscription carved into the side of that monument reads, In commemoration of the conquest of the air by the brothers Wilbur and Orville Wright, conceived by genius, achieved by dauntless resolution, and unconquerable faith. That moves me. But not just because I'm thinking about the Wright brothers. I'm also thinking about their ancestors. The people whose faith was so motivating that they traveled across the ocean to be in a place where their posterity could have religious freedom. When viewed in this light, it's obvious to see that the Wright brothers come by their dauntless and unconquerable faith rightly. Christianity does indeed have its foothold in the development of aviation. Some say that the Wright brothers were obsessed with flight, but I wonder if obsessed is the right word. I think inspired might be a better one. All I know is that God has his hands in all aspects of history. But like the Wright brothers, who did the majority of their work completely unbeknownst to the world, so does God. He inspires people, often without recognition. So don't let setbacks, like a blow to the teeth, make you think God has no work for you. He might just be leading you down another direction that will change the world. He's already organized generations to get you where you are. So let God lift you to greater heights, whether that's literally or figuratively. He will guide your paths, and he will ignite your faith.